You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about, ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Simon, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great, mate. Good, uh, good to reconnect. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like you've uh, you've you've gone through a different uh, couple of different phases in life since I I think I last saw you in like North Carolina or something like that. Yeah, I think it's only been a couple of years, but with everything that's happened, it feels like twenty. So it's uh, good to be uh, good to be back speaking and uh, hearing the great successes that that you guys are achieving has been uh, has been fantastic. So awesome to see. Uh, tech that comes into the market that can really grow and, and add a lot of value for, uh, for, for users. So, yeah, I, I think, um, if this pandemic hit, I'm sure we would have, uh, run, run into each other on the, uh, on the event trail at least once or twice over the last year. So it's too bad we haven't been able to, uh, you know, toast a, toast a beverage. <laughs> well, we will, we'll definitely toast one more than one when we're, when we're back to, uh, whatever the new normal is for sure. For sure. So, um, well, obviously thanks for, Thanks for joining. Why don't uh, why don't we kick it off um, by giving a little bit of your background? Um, you've got quite a diverse and and, and um, experienced background in, in corporate real estate. It would it would be great for our audience to just know who you are and, and kind of how how you got where you are. Sure. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna age me, but I kind of fell into uh, real estate and and specifically real estate technology uh, back in the early two thousands. I was working for a company. Uh, it was my second job out of school, and they were looking for a, a software solution to help manage a large portfolio that they just want. So, um, this was sort of back in the days when uh, the the organization I was working for they would actually buy entire portfolios of properties from companies. Uh, the two I worked on were the BBC and BT, and they'd run all of the services and then lease the properties back to the uh, to the clients and. This was, you know, very early on, I think, in, in terms of an integrated real estate model. And one of the things they needed for that was a technology solution to help manage that. And we went through a very robust uh, process of trying to select software solutions and, and came across a product uh, that was uh, based in Phoenix, Arizona, which is uh, bizarrely part of my personal journey because that's where I now reside, uh, <laughs> having gone through this journey and uh, met my now wife on my first trip to Phoenix. Um, but we worked with this organization in London uh, for, for four or five years. So I, I spent a lot of time actually helping scope, build and design specific pieces of software. Um, one of the intriguing ones was actually a whole application around managing resources and managing bookings of rooms and desks, which post pandemic or, or with the pandemic seems to be probably the biggest buzz point in technology right, right now. Seems weird going back 20 years to, to what I'm doing now. Um, but, you know, work with that company uh, as a client for four years. Then they uh, asked me if I'd come over and, and actually manage aspects of their business and ended up there for eight years uh, managing every aspect from uh, they had teams that were actually abstracting leases and taking facilities calls. They had teams that were developing and building software solutions and then also teams uh, that were supporting clients. So really got to know the business of real estate incredibly well. 
which is a rarity, I think, for people in the technology side. Oh, yeah. You know, normally we're coming in with some kind of, you know, predetermined experience, which puts us in a certain box. So it was kind of cool experiencing all of it and understanding how these these pieces work together. Um, back in uh, and, and sort of back uh, after the eight years, I was kind of ready for a new change. I uh, went to a startup, which unfortunately didn't uh, didn't turn out the way I hoped it would, but but learned. I learned a lot of lessons for the future from that in terms of what it really takes to be successful. And uh, we'll talk about my, my role at impact later on, but I really think it takes such a unique skill set to be successful with a startup, particularly in our space. Um, and those failures, I, I probably learned more from than, than successes I had later down the line. Um, but from there, I moved into a, a slightly new realm, which was probably the area that I have most passion for, which was consulting on real estate technology. So helping companies determine what solutions they should buy based on their needs. Um, then moved into two very rapid uh, startup environments. Uh, one was an Australian company called Cereview, uh, where I helped accelerate them uh, within the within the workspace uh, in the US. Uh, they had an amazing client base and, and it became a very powerful value prop. Uh, and then the second was a, a, a design company reimagining how people uh, programmed, designed and um, tested for space using 3D and uh, virtual reality components to that a company called Saltmine, headquartered out of Singapore. I was actually the first employee in the US. Um, so, you know, very, very diverse backgrounds there. I then went back into the more traditional route and spent a couple of years with Numok uh, working on their internal technologies. And, and actually, you know, the lessons I learned and garnered, I, I think were very valuable because we were able to adopt a couple of uh, bleeding edge technologies pretty quickly and, and bring them into the Numark family. Um, that was also, you know, during really when COVID hit in its uh, earnest and we kind of looked at the market and said, what do people really need? And, and salt mine actually became one of those products that uh, I think is going to be much needed going forwards. Um, and then fast forward to where we are today. Uh, I, I joined a company called the impact group. Um, real focus on impact is, is four main areas of technology business. Um, the most important one being, you know, us providing advisory services for clients on an agnostic basis. So, you know, I'm changing our model to where we're not taking referral fees. We're not doing reseller agreements. We're very much becoming a trusted advisor for the client. Um, it may mean that I do a $30,000 assessment and suggest the client buy a $10,000 system. What we're really focusing on is how do we make sure the client gets what they need, um, you know, not 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 technology that's being promoted for for other reasons. And, right. and I think that's been an issue in the marketplace for sure. Um, the second component that we're looking at is what we're calling assist, which is helping clients actually use this technology. Right, a lot of people they love technology like a like a salt mine for design, but they don't want to necessarily have to learn how to use it or pay to license it. So what we're going to do is augment our offerings by providing capabilities and things like test fitting, uh, also to Impact's traditional role of, of doing work around um, AutoCAD and, and those additional sort of services. And then finally, on the assistance side, project managing, truly project management implementations, where Impact Group acts as the trusted advisor for the client uh, and really manages the relationship between the client and the software vendor, uh, which in this day and age is, is often multiple. Um, the, the other two arms, very interestingly, uh, are, are one of them is, is pretty unique, uh, which is uh, what I would call uh, Impact Accelerate. And the intent of that is that from all of my experiences, the biggest thing I've learned is that there is amazing technology out there across the globe to help in prop tech and in workplace. But oftentimes it just can't percolate to the surface 
fast enough or to the right people to be successful. So Impact Accelerate, the intent is that we go out, we evaluate the market, we look at gaps in the market, and then we look at software solutions that can meet those gaps. Then we help those vendors uh, grow quickly using our network and using our connections and uh, experience, frankly, in navigating complex organizations so that they get greater visibility in the market. The final piece is, is the analysis uh, component, and that really is tying all of these things together, right? So helping a client understand the data, which is the real power. Um, the information and the data that can be gleaned from that is going to be critical as we go forwards um, in helping companies understand how a portfolio should be structured, what space they really need, where employees are working best, et cetera. So that's, that's a lot of, uh, of content, Matt, but I <laughs> wanted to just sort of give you that background. No, that's incredible. Um, I think it's really unique as you put it out, uh, out there first that you actually were able to learn real estate from the ground floor on the tech side, um, which is very different than how, you know, the traditional paths into real estate tech that I, I would see, yeah. Both of them being like my path into real estate tech was I was actually a real estate practitioner for 10 years before, you know, light bulb moment, like, wow, this industry needs to change. And I see this wave of technology coming. So I'm going to jump on that train. So I came in with like zero technology expertise and then kind of, you know, went up the learning curve that way. And then some people come in straight up from a software or a technology perspective and then have to learn, you know, the real estate industry, you know, through failing um, along the way, which is kind of what it sounds like you did, but um, coming in in the situation you did where there was just so much work to be done right away, you almost you almost were just thrust into just figuring real estate out um, day one. And then, you know, the, 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 the fruits of your labor are now you pretty much have seen everything that could possibly be seen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, you have to have a broad knowledge of real estate to be credible at the highest level. Um, and I think that's the difficult aspect. You know, I, for years I'd work with people that would, would try and sort of understand how I pitched, how I sold, how I related to clients. And it all came down to experience. And, you know, you can't teach 20 years of experience to anybody. You just don't have the time and you don't have the, the learning capability. And, 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 you know, that's, it is also part of the reason I think we're seeing such a, uh, success factor in, in companies pivoting to more uh, best of breed software solutions, right? Because the same premise applies you can't be every type of software to, in one company because you just don't have the, um, you know, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the resources, you don't have the skill set. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of solutions like Occupier that, that serve particular niches have escalated so quickly um, because, you know, frankly, the traditional uh, systems, they don't have the, the uh, resources from a financial or from a human capital perspective to be able to build as fast as, countless startups and, um, you know, uh, point solutions are building. So, right. And they also don't have access to a broad, uh, set of point of views. They're right. They're kind of siloed into their own business and think like, look, this is the way our business is run. Here's what we want to achieve. we got to build, you know, to suit that when, <clears throat> you know, there's a whole other universe out there of people that might be doing things differently that is being addressed by the startup community. So I, yeah, I, to absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, if, if you think about it, right, for an integrated, for a traditional integrated application to be successful, you have to be best of breed in at least five different suites of technology and also one of the lower cost providers. And, and those two things in my mind just don't equate. And I think, you know, personally speaking, seeing some of the acquisitions that are happening, I, I think this is sort of starting to see the breakup of, of the traditional 
integrated aspects of the systems from a corporate real estate perspective. I, I still think there's tremendous value when it comes to things like healthcare and higher ed and, and indeed in some very complex organizations. Uh, but yeah, I think the, I think the integrated aspect is going to become more integration of point solution type technologies or indeed one or two modules of a traditional system integrated with best of breed to, to accelerate, uh, you know, the business needs uh, of the company. Yeah, like you're talking about those traditional kind of boil the ocean IWMS systems that a corporate user and call it the early 2000s might think like, look, this is going to solve all my problems. But then yeah. after a year or two of struggling to implement the thing, they realize that, look, 80% of the value we're getting out of this is in this one module. All of this other stuff that we've custom built or or worked with a consultant to integrate into our, our company just isn't getting any traction um, like, but we're stuck with this huge system for a five-year contract. Like we gotta, we gotta live with it. Yeah. And, and, and now you're seeing this kind of trend of companies like ours that are going vertically at a very specific, um, part of the enterprise with respect to real estate and saying, look, this is where all your decisions, your crucial decisions are being made. And here's how we've kind of improved the workflow for that. And I think I'd love your thought on this too, like with the acceleration of technology post COVID, especially with real estate being so uncertain, there's going to be a rise of these companies that are saying, look, here's a specific situation that you need to solve for that could, could um, unlock a lot of good things for your business. And we built a point solution for that. And it kind of remains to be seen how companies want to mesh those things together. Um, but it does yeah. certainly feel like me, like the pendulum is swinging away from that, like do everything tool that's going to integrate like everything within your business. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a case of companies, you know, whether it be, you know, large technology companies or whether it be real estate providers putting their own wrapper and flavor around a multitude of systems, right? So giving the end user the ability to do anything from create a work request or to, you know, book a conference room, see what's on the, the menu for lunch today, see how big the line is at Starbucks, but all wrapped around their own experience. And I think that's the piece, right? It's, it's having that wrapper supporting backend technologies. At the end of the day, the employee doesn't really care who the vendor is, providing they're getting the right service. And I think post-COVID, you know, we are definitely going to see uh, different ways and means and needs to attract people back to the workplace. Um, I, I, saw a pod, uh, I saw a presentation this morning that said in the UK, only 7% of people want to work full-time in the office. And we're going to see those trends. And I think we're also, from the perspective of technology, my view is very much that, you know, when, when the dust settles, you're going to have C-suites across the globe sitting down and saying, okay, you know, we worked remotely for 18 months. Why do we need this space? And there's a lot of justification for needing the space around collaboration, around culture, um, you know, around creating the right type of work styles and environments. But the question will be asked by everybody. Is it justifiable based upon how much money we, uh, you know, could have saved by not having this space? And so, you know, I think technology and data to help track and understand that information is going to be imperative. Um, and, and I think also, you know, the, my, my counsel for companies is really, you know, look at technology that's going to be useful post-pandemic. I think there's a lot of knee-jerk buying uh, of certain technologies um, because they want to make sure that everyone's okay with coming back to the office. Well, if large companies aren't even going to go back or going to let people work from home, then why invest now when you could wait and invest in something that's going to be more meaningful and more appropriate? Um, we are seeing a lot of tech companies sprouting up and we're seeing incredible success for specific use cases. I mean, tangential to, to what we do. Uh, you know, you look at, a, look at a company like Hopin, they're two years old, 
And last week they raised $400 million because they've created an online platform for essentially doing virtual events, right? Yeah. That's, that's tech that's going to have incredible value and you can see it right now. But I think there's you know, such a proliferation of systems on the market that it's difficult for an average user who has a day job to sift through the multitude of different solutions in different verticals that they might need. Um, and you know, that, that is certainly something we want to change in the market. Um, we're actually in the process of, of developing a buyer's guide to PropTech um, that, again, is, is going to be very much founded on an agnostic view. You know, talking people through the steps, telling them what players are in the market. You know, you can't go out today to in any in any truly independent area and say, okay, show me every platform that I could consider for census or for lease administration, mm. right? Because everybody has a vested interest in promoting one or another, and that's something we really want to change from from within side of Impact that we become that true trusted advisor, and you can only do that by by being able to you know, tap people into every possible solution that could be of relevance. And then ideally uh, helping guide them to, to the right, uh, right kind of answers. So. Yeah. And I would imagine <clears throat> to your point earlier about this rush to, um, you know, adopt the, the shiny new tools out there. This is one of the things that we think about a lot at Occupier is, you know, when the C-suite gets involved in a decision, it really comes down to the culture and the bottom line. And what are the biggest, what are the biggest risks of our business long-term that we need to make sure that we're controlling right now? And, um, you know, for a company to raise 400 million bucks on something that's very timely in the market right now is awesome. Um, but like when a CEO says, well, we're actually back to normal and we're doing all our event events in the office, is there right. still long-term sustained value for something like that? Um, I'm, I'm sure there still is. And maybe it's at, at such a low cost to the buyer that, it's a good um, system to have in place. Um, but how do you, how yeah, do you, I mean, I, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, I think part of that is certainly in creating that collaborative culture. You know, it's almost like uh, it's uh, sort of similar to something like a clubhouse uh, where I think, you know, you can actually help generate cultural changes and cultural adoption within an organization by having that, you know, available. Um, for me, I think one of the most interesting things is going to be behavioral because, you know, we talk a lot about attraction and retention and how we get people into the office. But I think a lot of it is going to be based upon how your manager acts and responds. You know, does your manager decide that they're going to spend three months in California, three months in Aspen, three months in New York and, you know, three months in Colorado? Uh, and therefore, how does that you know influence your decision to go into the office or not? And I think those you know, more human aspects are going to be really intriguing and, and going to be, you know, very big on the cultural side. We see such massive different approaches when you look at somebody like a Goldman's comp compared to a Salesforce. And I think, you know, the logic is that there'll be somewhere meet in the middle. I think everybody acknowledges that there's a play for being able to work from home, play for being able to work from the office. And, and I think one of the areas that's going to bounce back considerably is, is going to be the hybrid model where, you know, I'm going to work from a co-working facility because it's closer to my office. I need the, sorry, it's closer to my home. You know, maybe I need some brief collaboration with other people that work out of that space. I don't want to commute all the way into Manhattan and my, my home office is too noisy, right? Um, there's going to be a lot of decision trees. I think people are going to start applying that just weren't considered pre, uh, pre-COVID. Yeah, I, I've kind of been saying that myself, like, you know, publicly on like, you know, LinkedIn posts or in conversations with other people in the industry is that 
people had been working like that already, right? Like salespeople, yeah. uh, brokers. Um, I mean, I, when I, when I worked at VTS the previous five years, like I worked in a WeWork, but I was like 75% on the road. So I was just finding an inter- internet connection and, you know, going to meetings and things like that. When I was a broker, I was in my car scouting sites. I'd pop into an office building and work in the lobby. Like people always did that. I think there was always just this reliance on the, the office as this kind of like anchor to keep everybody um, tied to the company when that seems to be the thing that's like potentially disrupted is like the, the need to have that, you know, eight story um, like headquarters building in downtown that everybody checks into every day. Um, Because I think like the, the world, the world certainly changed because of the pandemic, but there was also a massive piece of the population that was already kind of working remotely. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, I think the the pandemic acceleration is the big thing in terms of technology adoption, in terms of, I think, thought, you know, and I think for some people, you know, certainly salespeople like ourselves, we're working the way we always have done. We're just not going into offices. So I'm sure we're all chomping at the bit to get back into actually seeing people shaking hands and, you know, being able to discuss things in, in, in a face-to-face environment. I think some organizations, though, have, have maybe accelerated 20 to 30 years. I mean, one company I know in particular, pre-pandemic, they didn't allow anybody to work from home. And when the pandemic hit, they actually had to go out and procure laptops so people could work from home. And they're going to be looking at this and saying, wow, you know, we've done this for a year and we've done it successfully. You know, we've not seen any market drop off of, of our uh, productivity, of our innovation, et cetera. So why were we spending all that money on real estate? So I think, yeah, companies are going to look at it from those different lenses, but the acceleration model, whether it be a two-year acceleration or a 50-year acceleration, I think is going to be the common thread um, because it's got people now also, you know, those those people that in the past managed by site um, and, you know, their teams that worked for them will now have a perfect use case to say, look, I worked just as effectively, if not more so, when I didn't have to commute two hours a day, you know, when I didn't feel bad and I could take out 30 minutes to go and watch my kid play baseball. Um, so I think there's so many different, you know, plus points to being f- more fluid in, in your work that, that those, those behaviors, I think, will be retained um, w- within, you know, organizations. I agree. I agree. So wrapping up here, um, wh- what do you think the biggest challenge is for your customers today? I know that you touched on kind of sifting through all the solutions that are out there. We talked about what does that, uh, you know, work from anywhere balance look like within the company. But when you're going in and you're presenting your solutions to, you know, an executive leadership team, like what are the the, the main problems that they're trying to solve? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the challenge is going to be trying to determine what what are the actual critical solutions we need now to make better strategic decisions. Um, a lot of the market is awash with tactical solutions, you know, to help in this sort of you know uh, post pandemic period. So you know, things like surveys for wellness and you know check in tools and and desk booking tools, etc. They may or may not pervade. I, I personally don't. I, I think if you're buying a tool that's just in response and hopefully is going to just ease you back in post pandemic, then make sure you're paying the right price point for that. Cause it's not a long-term strategic investment. Um, I think there will be a massive push for the data elements I mentioned. Um, and I think companies that do have the right infrastructure when it comes to things like sensors are going to be in a much better position. But again, if I was, if I, if I had a portfolio that didn't have any real sensor tech, 
I wouldn't be rushing out to buy stuff right now. I'd be working out strategically what I need because it's a very diverse market, very different products, very different offerings. Some of them, you know, incredibly cost prohibitive. And I think you need to really understand well, what are we trying to get out of this long term, right? It's, yep. it's not just simply a solution to help you social distance, you know, right sensor solution can help you understand things like behavioral patterns that can help you um, inform decisions about design going forward, right? If, if, if we have eight person conference rooms as a standard, but we only ever have, you know, more than three people in them 20% of the time, we need to readjust that. And, and I think data, data is going to be the big piece. Um, I think for this year and next experimentation is going to be big you know, trying to understand what works within an environment, what works best for, for employees in these various different models. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've probably been a little bit hamstrung by the fact nobody's wanted to make major decisions or major changes in this sort of pandemic period. Uh, and, and I worry that some organizations might knee-jerk too quickly on the way back in and, and spend dollars on technology that is potentially going to be redundant, you know, within, within 18 months. Cool. Well, Simon, always good catching up, man, and always, you too, brother. Uh, yeah, always love your perspective on this. You're always on the on the cutting edge of things, and uh, as you get settled at Impec, um, you know how to find us at Occupier. We'd love to be considered in your your network of solutions that you're talking to people about. Absolutely, mate. Sounds great. Appreciate it. All right, Simon. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Bye.